Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Annie Snyder. Across the country, there's an increasingly coordinated network of activists and organizations pushing to block America's offshore wind projects. Their influence has actually succeeded in energizing political opposition against offshore wind, which is a key part of President Joe Biden's climate strategy. In fact, the movement reached new national heights in January when Fox News aired a segment with Tucker Carlson called the Biden Whale Extinction. The government's offshore wind projects, which are enriching their donors, are killing a huge number of whales right now. To be clear, scientists call the links between dead whales and offshore wind projects baseless, but that hasn't undercut its political salience. So today we chat with Ben Storo of Politico's e News about who is behind this anti-wind movement, what is actually threatening whales, and what this all means for Biden's climate goals. It's Monday, August 7th. I sort of think of it like a Venn diagram because you have a bunch of different groups with different interests. You've got the commercial fishermen who don't want to see turbines put in places where they fish. You've got beach communities or segments of beach communities that don't want to look at the projects. And you've got conservatives who have concerns over renewable energy, its cost, reliability, that sort of thing. And all of them have sort of united around this idea that offshore wind could be detrimental to the environment. And they're growing in influence right now. There are bills in Congress to put a halt to offshore wind development until more study can be done to determine the impact on species like whales. And you note that this whole issue got a lot more attention after the Tucker Carlson segment ran on Fox News back in January. Can you trace the origins of this movement and how big of a moment was that segment? Yeah, you know, when I was doing this story, I felt like in some ways that that was a watershed moment because I think that this opposition, just sort of like offshore wind development in the United States has been building slowly for some time. But that was a moment where it really went into another gear and we really saw it sort of enter the national conversation in a way that it really hadn't been prior to that. So walk me through what exactly the allegations are around impacts on whales. And then what do the environmentalists and scientists say about what's going on there? So the allegation is that offshore wind companies use seismic surveys to get a picture of the ocean floor. They're going to be sticking turbines down there and they want to know what's down there. They're basically bouncing sound waves off the seabed. The allegation is that's harmful to whales. We've seen a number of humpback whales wash up dead along the East Coast, 27 this year, 200 since 2016. And so they've sought to sort of link these surveys to those humpback whale deaths. And I think the issue here is that when you talk to scientists about this, they say the chances of this being the case are really, really low. There are types of seismic surveys that can be harmful to marine wildlife. But generally speaking, offshore wind developers aren't using that those type of surveys. And they're also not using them 
at scale. So like sometimes an oil and gas company will use, say, 30, they're called boomers or sparkers. They generate low frequency sound that can injure animals. They'll maybe use 30 at a time, whereas an offshore wind developer might use one or two. And the important thing to know here is that this isn't new technology, and it's been used for a long time by a variety of different industries. And so that's given scientists a long time to study the reaction of marine wildlife to these types of surveys. And so while they can't definitively rule it out, they think it's really, really unlikely that these surveys are what's behind these whale deaths that we've been seeing. Okay, so unlikely, but potentially still some impacts. This all sounds like another one of these really tricky dilemmas that we're seeing crop up in the context of climate change, where the things that we need to do to head off the worst effects of a warming planet can sometimes involve harm to species or ecosystems, but at the same time doing nothing and letting climate change run its course also creates harm. So I wonder how are scientists weighing these, what you describe as unlikely, but potential dangers to animals posed by wind development against the need to bring on these types of clean energy projects to fight the broader impacts of climate change? Yeah, it's a really good question, Annie. I think that the surveys, to put a fine point on it, is highly unlikely that that's an issue. There are other issues that are very real and that scientists are worried about. The chief one is the amount of boat traffic that will be going to and from these developments. There is a whale, the North Atlantic right whale, that is critically endangered. The leading causes of death for that species are vessel strikes and entanglement in fishing gear. And there's a worry that if you have more boats in areas where this whale is, you could get more fatalities. And given that there are less than 350 right whales in the world, North Atlantic right whales, that's a danger. Having said all that, the vast majority of scientists that I spoke to felt really strongly that the trade-offs in this instance were worth it. This summer, for instance, we've seen a lot of stories about rising ocean temperatures. And and one of the things that means for marine wildlife is we're seeing animals show up in places where we haven't necessarily seen them a lot before. So the two prominent examples of that would be last decade, the right whale started showing up in the Gulf of St. Lawrence off of eastern Canada. Mariners there were not accustomed to seeing the right whale, and it led to a lot of fatal crashes where the whales ended up dying. So the same thing is what, or a version of, of that is what scientists think is happening with these humpbacks. They think they're chasing their prey closer to shore and that they're getting hit by ships. Also, explosive growth in solar power means that most countries in the European Union will hit their 2030 renewable energy targets ahead of time. That's according to new data from the Solar Power Europe Lobby Group, reviewed by Politico. The EU added 41 gigawatts of new solar capacity in 2022, a 40% increase over the previous year. And solar capacity is expected to rise to more than 50 gigawatts this year. The news is fueling optimism about efforts to bring down global emissions, although it's unclear how long solar deployment can continue at the same breakneck speed. By the way, Politico has a new podcast. Politico Tech is your daily download on the disruption that technology is bringing to politics and policy. You can find Politico Tech wherever you get your podcasts. 
For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com slash power dash switch and subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Amy Snyder, and we'll see you back tomorrow. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Chevron knows developing and deploying carbon capture and storage is a critical step in helping make progress towards global net zero, which is why we're targeting 25 million tons of CO2 per year in storage and offsets by the end of the decade. That's energy in progress. Visit chevron.com slash carbon capture.